0: welcome to Word Online. Hello and welcome back. Now we're going to look at John's introduction to Jesus. In the first episode, uh, which I hope many of you will have listened to, we talked about the way the different gospel writers introduce Jesus. Four different gospel writers they introduce the story of Jesus in four completely different ways. Isn't that fascinating? People tell stories from different perspectives and with different priorities, and they introduce their storytelling in different ways. We've got a wonderful example of that here in the four Gospels. As I explained in the last episode, the probable writing order of the four Gospels is Mark first, then Matthew Then Luke, who has Mark and Matthew in front of him as he writes and and creates his chronological framework. And then finally, John. And we started last time by by looking at Luke and how he described how he'd gathered all the evidence from the eyewitnesses and put together an orderly account, uh, writing as a historian who hadn't experienced the events of Jesus uh, but came to gather evidence uh, sometime later as a follower of Jesus from the Gentile world coming uh, to look at the story of Jesus in uh, the nation of Israel. An amazing introduction that Luke gives. And we're going to follow the chronology of Luke and keep to the chronology of Luke all the way through Word Online, the life of Jesus. Then we're now coming to John's Gospel. Uh, We'll find later on that Matthew introduces the the story in a completely different way to a Jewish audience focusing on the ancestry of Jesus. That's coming up in the next episode. But here we're going to go to John, who writes. He's probably got uh, Matthew, Mark and Luke before him. He writes sometime later, very reflective. And we have to bear in mind that unlike Luke, John knew Jesus. This is John the Apostle writing, that's our understanding uh, from the evidence of the early church history, that John the Apostle, one of the 12 apostles, wrote this. He was especially close in friendship to Jesus um, and uh, was with him throughout his ministry and had a very intuitive understanding of the big picture. And what we're going to find as we look at John's introduction to Jesus is that uh, there's, there's a big picture presentation. He takes the story back right to the beginning of time, not just the moment that Jesus comes into uh, uh, earth, as it were, when he becomes a man, but he goes right back to the beginning. So it's a magnificent introduction. The first 18 verses of John chapter 1, we're going to read them in a moment, it's often called the prologue of John's gospel, the introduction to his story. It is a magnificent piece of writing and carries in it wonderful explanation of who Jesus is. What sort of person is Jesus? Where did he come from? In what sense is he God? In what sense is he man? How do those two things fit together? John has all these things in mind as he introduces the story of Jesus in his absolutely unique and magnificent way. Let's read together John chapter 1 verses 1 to 2. Uh, 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Children born not of natural descent, nor a human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Well, with these magnificent words, John paints a cosmic picture of Jesus. And I think of this passage rather like being introduced to someone who... Um, lives in, in a house on a on a big estate with a long drive coming up to the estate and you wind around different corners to go up the drive and, and then you come to the house and then you come to the person and it's quite a long process and it's a big picture and this is really what what John is uh, doing in this passage. We think of Jesus as uh, in the moment he came to earth, that that's the start of the story but John has a different starting point. His starting point is in the beginning, before time, before the world was created. That's where he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus as God God himself with the Father. He describes him as the Word, a magnificent expression to describe who Jesus is there are many different ways that we can describe Jesus but the word uh, and the word of God suggests that Jesus is the message of God the communication of God and that that communication of God is not just in the words that he brings but in the person he is who comes to the earth he is the word sent to us and also we see in the very opening verses That Jesus was in the beginning with God the Father. The Word in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the beginnings of helping us to understand the New Testament teaching about the nature of God. And if we take all the teaching of the New Testament and other important contributions from the Old Testament... We find that God is represented to us as three persons in one Godhead. Each person a separate person, but each person having the same quality of divinity, the same being of God within them. One is the Father, and then there is the Son, or the Word in this case, and then there is The Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit represented the New Testament as a person, not a force. He, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, not just a man, but God himself before he became a man. So if Jesus had never become a man and never come to the earth He would still be God in eternity. He would still be Jesus. He would still be the Son of God. He would still be the Word of God. Because that's what he was in the beginning. That's what he was from all eternity. There was a moment in history, this passage teaches us, a moment when he became a human being or became flesh. He became a man through a process of being born to the Virgin Mary and we'll look at that in more detail when we come to the accounts of Jesus's birth in Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel. There was a moment and John refers to that moment here but before we think of Jesus in his humanity we need to think of him in his deity. That's really the point that John is making. He also points out that Everything we see, the cosmos and the world around us, was actually created by God, including the creative power of Jesus. So when we encounter Jesus now as our saviour, we also need to remember he is our creator and the creator of the whole world around us. That's the greatness of who Jesus is. Jesus reveals God directly to us. And that's the point that is being made here uh, in John chapter 1 very, very clearly. He is the word. And so if we ask the question, you know, what is God saying? How do we hear the voice of God? What is the message of God? The answer the Bible gives and the answer the New Testament gives is very, very clear. Jesus himself communicates everything we need to know about God and everything we need to know about ourselves and everything we need to know about how to connect with God. Now, the writer to the Hebrews takes up some of the themes of John chapter 1. I'm going to refer to this just very briefly by reading to you the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 1, which is a parallel passage and illuminates some of the things that John's trying to say to us in his opening passage. Let's just read Hebrews 1 verses 1 to 3. In the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had puri- provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. I think you can see that there's a connection between these two passages. And here, the writer to the Hebrews gives even more detail than, than John does at the beginning of John chapter 1 about Jesus. God has spoken to us through his Son, uh, through whom he made the universe. And he's the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. So when we look at Jesus, we see God. We find out about God through knowing Jesus and through studying his life, which is why it's such a wonderful thing to study the Gospels in detail. That's what we're doing with Word Online uh, and the life of Jesus. We're looking at everything we can about Jesus because we know it's the surest way to find out about God. People ask the question, How can we find out about God? The answer is clear. It's through Jesus. And so the more we know about Jesus, the better. The more we understand his teachings and his person, the better. And so the writer of Hebrews confirms and helps to expand some of the things that uh, John is saying. Now, thinking of Jesus as the word, let's just reflect on that in a little bit more detail. How does Jesus communicate with us now? John had the benefit of knowing him in person. He said, we've seen his glory. We've we've seen him in his amazing glory. We've seen his divinity, uh, the, the character of divinity within him. We've seen him in his humanity. We've seen his miraculous powers. Now, you and I don't have that privilege. We're 2,000 years later, so how does Jesus and God communicate with us now? In a number of different ways. Through the written text of the Bible, that's the primary way that God communicates with us now. That's the primary way we know about Jesus now. So that's why we're giving such attention to looking at the Bible text and uh, the life of Jesus in this particular series of teaching, these 184 uh, videos, because we've got four biographies of Jesus, four Gospels full of very, very important material. And that's the primary way that God speaks to us. But he's given his Holy Spirit so those who believe in Jesus and those who are being led to Jesus by God himself will find the Holy Spirit within us, working within us. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. We'll find the Holy Spirit uh, making the words of the New Testament and the Gospels in particular Come alive to us, uh, uh, become connected to us and will understand their significance because the Holy Spirit is helping us and that's a wonderful reality. So I pray today that the Holy Spirit will help you as you listen to this talk and all the others in this series. Now God can also speak to us in other ways, through dreams, through visions, through other Christians who tell us the message of jesus or tell us their story what we sometimes call testimony this is a, a wonderful way that that god can speak to us in all these ways god is speaking jesus the word is the message of god communicating to us jesus is described as the one and only son in verse 18 in this passage this is an important statement because jesus is the son of god in the sense that he's one of a kind. Now we become children of God in a different sense in that we can be adopted into God's family. That's one of the pictures that the New Testament uses to describe becoming a Christian and we'll find it here in a verse in this passage in just a moment. But Jesus is one of a kind. He's the unique Son of God who for all time and all eternity has always existed with the Father in an eternal relationship of father and son. There was never a time when Jesus uh, uh, didn't exist. He's been there for eternity. He is the son of God in a unique, once and for all way. And we're adopted into God's family. Now, John also introduces here in verse 6, a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist his uh, work and ministry is described more fully later on in john and uh, also in the in the other gospels and we'll come to uh, discuss that in more detail john the baptist was a prophet he was like the other old testament prophets and he was related to jesus and he came to the Jewish people as we'll find out and he began to preach just before Jesus started his ministry and he introduced the Jewish people to the fact that Jesus the Messiah the Son of God was just about to appear to them and that they should wake up and take notice of what he was going to say and Jesus appeared by the river Jordan where John was baptizing people in the water and was baptized by him and this is all part of the big story and then the Holy Spirit came down Um, on Jesus in a unique way and his ministry started we're going to find out more about that in subsequent episodes but that's what uh, John has in mind here he describes him as a witness he's not the light he's not the word he's not the son of God he's he's a witness he's someone who's pointing in the direction of Jesus and so he introduces um, John in verses uh, six to eight The crucial thing here in John's thinking about Jesus is in verse 14. This explains uh, what we call the incarnation, Jesus becoming a man in a wonderful uh, verse that describes it beautifully. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, this expresses the fact very clearly that at a certain time in history, the word Jesus became flesh, became a man and made his dwelling among us. In other words, lived as a human being, a normal human being amongst humanity, particularly amongst the Jewish people. He was a Jewish man living in a Jewish society in the northern part of the country, which we call Galilee. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. So Christians believe that Jesus was eternally the Son of God, but also at a particular point in time took on human nature in a miraculous way. And so he is... The son of God, but also a human like us, fully human. And John goes on to um, express the, uh, the fact that when Jesus came, there was a paradox because not everyone received Jesus when he came. Verses 10 to 12. And make this very clear. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. People in general did not recognize that Jesus was the son of God in his lifetime. Verse 11. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. This is a specific reference to the Jewish people. That's what his own people refers to. The Jewish people in general did not receive him, in verse 11. Verse 10, the world in general didn't receive him. The Jewish people in verse 11 didn't receive him. And yet in verse 12, we have this wonderful statement, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born of God. So some people believed in Jesus when he came. They were a minority. Now, he was popular at times, but the people who actually believed in him and trusted him remained a relatively small number. And when they believed in Jesus, something happened inside those people, which John describes here as becoming the children of God or in the following verse, being born of God. Now, this is an incredible description of what a Christian is, and it comes up in a number of other places. Let me just read you a couple of examples and then try and explain this a little bit so that we can understand what is being referred to. In John chapter 3, in verse 3, Jesus is talking to a senior religious leader called Nicodemus in Jerusalem, and he says... No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Another way of uh, of describing that same reality. Something has to happen inside us. Something changes inside us like a new birth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. These are just some examples of the use of this concept that to become a Christian is to experience a a, a profound event, as profound as physical birth. Now, physical birth brings about a new life. It brings into being a new human being in physical birth a new life comes to this world and john here is saying that something as significant and ultimately more significant happens when we truly trust in jesus we a new spiritual life comes within us which is as strong and as powerful as the experience of being conceived and born into this world as a physical human being Now, that's a very powerful metaphor or image for us to carry in our minds, and that's why it's appropriate to call those who are Christians the children of God. We're um, adopted into his family, we're born into his family. These are images the New Testament uses to describe a profound reality. A Christian is someone who has a new life within them that they never had before, who's become a member of a new family that they weren't a member of before, the family of God. They're adopted in his family. They're in relationship with him, with spiritual life inside them. That's the power of Jesus's message. Jesus's message, of course, relates not only to his teaching and his life, but his death, a substitutionary sacrificial death on the cross for us and his resurrection from the dead. And we're going to have plenty of opportunity to discuss that message in detail Many times through the course of uh, these 14 series within this teaching on the life of Jesus. So John brings lots of big themes to our attention. And this is his introduction to Jesus. So as we conclude this second episode, what can we learn? What are our reflections? Well, we get a really big picture of Jesus, don't we? I think this is wonderful. He's eternally the Word, the Son of God. He's God in eternity. But amazingly, he has come into our world with absolute connection to us through becoming a man and being physically a human being just like you or I. He wasn't just a spirit hovering around for 30 years and then disappearing back to heaven. He was as physical as you or I. He needed to rest. He needed to sleep. He needed to eat. He needed all the things that human beings need in order to live his life in this world. And yet he fundamentally came to communicate the message of God to us. He was the word of God to us. And so we're beginning on the journey now of of discovering what is that word? How does it work? What is he saying to us? Well, Jesus said so many things and he did so many things that communicate about God to us. So I hope you're going to stay with the journey and learn more and more about what he brings to us through being the word of God. We must resist lesser views of Jesus Christ. If we ever think he was just a prophet, that's not the New Testament view. If we ever think there was a time when he was not created uh, and didn't exist, there was just the Father in heaven, that's not the view of the New Testament. If we ever think he's just a man who God adopted in some way to do a special job and um, perhaps at his baptism or some other time that's not the view of the New Testament the view of the New Testament is Jesus existed eternally he didn't need to become a man he only became a man because we needed him to become a man to be the word of God to us and that's what he is so thanks for listening to this episode join us for the next one and uh, as we look at Uh, Matthew's introduction to Jesus and I hope you'll enjoy all of series one as we lay the foundations for our understanding of the whole life of Jesus. See you again soon. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more visit wordonline.org.